thank you. I nearly chased you off, but that might have been awkward. Well, it is such a privilege to be here with you today. And um, before we go anywhere, I just want to just really honour you as a church for allowing young people to get up on this stage and serve you this morning. I've got to be honest, I'm quite overwhelmed because I visit a lot of churches and a lot of my role now is to help churches integrate young people into leadership and into their midst. And you are doing that as a church. So I just want to applaud you. I want to honour Sue uh, this morning for all that she is doing. I know that she's doing a huge amount with your kids and youth. And uh, honestly, it has been such a blessing I don't know where the two girls are that were doing the game. Right, I've got to be honest, girls, I think I want you on my Young Lions team. I'm like, these two are like a powerhouse. Oh, my goodness. It was brilliant. And the worship team, just fantastic, leading us into the presence of God. Um, So it is really, really great to be here uh, with you this morning. I thought, obviously, for a lot of you, you don't know me, so I'll try and give a little bit of an introduction, although the lovely ladies did that as well. Um, So, yeah, my name's Hannah. I'm from Dagnum. I'm originally from a church there called London Riverside Church and I was the youth pastor for 15 years there which was an absolute honour so I interned with my church for two years after school and then uh, they asked me to take on the role of youth pastor I had absolutely no idea what I was doing I was just like okay this is what God wants I'm just going to throw myself into it and then I had a bit of a whirlwind of a 15 years of working with young people which was such an honour in East London Um, my life took a little bit of a different turn after that and um, yeah, I do a whole range of things now. So I think, yeah, there's a picture coming up on the screen because I always think it's funny when people ask me what I do because it's a real mishmash of stuff. So uh, bear with me. So obviously this lion over here represents young lions. So I have the real honour for Assemblies of God of running um, our Young Leaders programme. We've got one in Wales, one in Scotland, one in England. In fact, we're currently in the build-up to our Scotland one. Um, I think currently, I can't remember our numbers. I don't know if Amy can help me who's with me, but we've had like, nearly 400 young people this year go through Young Lions, which has been amazing. And so um, for me, Young Lions is a real honour to lead because 20 years ago, when I was 17, I was the f- one of the first people to go on Young Lions. And so 20 years later, and I'm obviously running it, so that's a real honour for me. And I know so many of your young people came, which was absolutely Amazing, so that's what I do. Um, I also run something called Echo. Um, so after I finished my youth pastor role, I was trying to explore what does God want me to do next. And I've kind of ended up following God's lead into this role where I help churches in all different areas, coaching youth pastors, strategy, all sorts of stuff. So it does mean I get to visit loads of different churches, which is amazing. And then I've got my books up here that I've written, which um, I'll talk a little bit about. So um, a few years ago, my dad very suddenly died. Um, He was the pastor of our church. And um, I, in my grief journey, decided to write out what I was feeling. So that's how I wrote my book, It Is Well. And then um, the Mordecai method, which I'm going to talk a bit about as I preach today, so I'll come back to that. And then another book called From Dagenham to Africa with Love, which is the story of a lady who was in my church. She actually passed away a few months ago now. Uh, She was 87, but she had been a missionary for 37 years in DR Congo and Rwanda. And so um, a few, well, a little while ago, a couple of years ago, I said to her, Kathleen, could I write your story? And she was like, oh yes, that would be lovely. And so uh, we got all 
of her incredible story down on paper. So I've got a few of them with me, which you can have a look. And of course, you've got a picture of London because that's where I'm from. Woo! <laughs> um, so my real heart long term is to plant churches in East London. That's where my heart is. So um, that's what I'm kind of leading towards. But that uh, hopefully gives you a little bit about me. Um, other thing to say is I have Amy with me. Amy, give us a wave. Just give Amy a cheer. So Amy um, has been interning with me for the last six months. Now, I thought it was a bit disappointing that she didn't get to do the game. I mean, if only you'd known, she should have taken part, but she managed to get out of that. But Amy is in a gap year before going to, she's actually going to Bible college to Missy O'Day as part of AOG. But she is basically, we always laugh, she's followed me around for six months. So everything I do, she comes with me, which has been an amazing, I hope, experience for her, being able to be exposed to loads of different churches. She's helped do all the admin for Young Lions. Um, and in fact, this is her last Sunday with me. So I feel a bit emotional today. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is so strange. What am I going to do without Amy for the next however long? Um, but no, Amy is amazing. So make sure you chat to her at the end. Um, that would be great. Okay, I'm going to speak today um, from one of my favorite books in the Bible, and it is the book of Esther. So if you have your Bibles with you today, you can turn to the book of Esther. I'm going to dip in and out of different parts of it. So back in October, um, just a little bit before Amy interned with me, actually, um, I had this incredible opportunity to go to Singapore and Malaysia. I was asked to speak in this international school. It was all a bit random. But in Singapore, I visited this incredible church that was so passionate about re releasing the next generation. And so it was absolutely packed full of young people. And um, one of the pastors got up to preach, and she said, I'm going to preach on my life message. And I thought, oh, this is an interesting concept. Um, and it really challenged me to come away and think, if I like, if there was one thing I could share with the church today, what would it be? And for me, my whole like, life and ministry is all about raising and releasing the next generation. So I hope it's okay this morning, in theme with, with the fact that all young people have taken part, I'm going to share my life message with you today. So as I said a couple of years ago, I wrote a book called The Mordecai Method. So I've got some with me. And um, I was coming to the end of my time in youth ministry, um, and, or at least on the ground. And I was thinking I'd love to be able to put into words something about what I feel God's done in our youth ministry back in Dagenham. And so really share how we've raised and released young leaders so the reason I wrote this really is because when I was 18 and I was interning, uh, my youth pastor, who was, um, for any of you who know AOG, was Stuart Keir, who's like the general manager now. So he was my youth pastor, and he sat down. There were five girls interning, can you imagine? It was absolutely wild in the office. And he sat us down, and he opened the Bible to the book of Esther, and he spoke on the, on the way that Mordecai poured into Esther. Now, I'll be honest, and don't tell him if you know him, it's the only preach I remember of his in that entire time of him youth pastoring. Um, but this one stuck in my brain. And when I became youth pastor, I thought, you know what? I want to look into this a little bit deeper. Who was Mordecai and what kind of influence did he make? And for me, this book of Esther is one of the most fascinating books. It doesn't actually directly mention God at all, even though God is totally weaved through the story, if you know the story at all. 
And when you read it, I find that it's like I'm transported to this different time. In fact, I personally think the book of Esther should be made into a Netflix series because I think it would be, like, really gripping. Because if you've, And maybe you haven't read it for a while and you'll have to go back and read it after today. But as you read through it, it's such a fascinating book. We've got this king who's egotistical and misogynist, greedy and overpowerful, making demands of people without any care. We have this evil advisor who's been given too much power. He's hated the Jewish people to his core, and he has this really evil approach towards them. In fact, he wants to impale people on poles, so he's that kind of crazy, you know. Um, And then in the midst of this political and cultural situation, we have this Jewish man called Mordecai who adopts a young girl called Esther, who was his cousin. She was an orphan, had nobody to look after her, and this man stepped in and said, I'll step in, I'll be her dad. It's an incredible story of someone that goes and pours his life into the next generation. You know, I've said that my role involves visiting lots of churches, and I feel this mandate on my life personally to raise and release the next generation of leaders. And I often visit churches where there's no young people or no youth ministry, which is quite clearly not the case here. So you can be encouraged today. But often I visit places and I say, you know, have you thought about how you're going to reach the next generation? And people say, oh, well, we just don't have any young people. And that's kind of the answer. And it really saddens my heart. Because when I look at this story of Mordecai, this very normal guy who decides he's going to pour into the next generation, it's hugely inspiring. So I want to speak today on what I've called the Mordecai mandate for the church today. And I'd like to say this right at the start, that this isn't just for like Sue, (laughs) who is kind of being a Mordecai. This is not just for her. This is for the church as a whole, that we actually make a decision. We are going to pour into the next generation. And you know, as I was sitting there worshipping today, I was thinking, I just hope at the end of today, you will be encouraged as a church that you are doing this. Because from the moment I stepped in the doors, that's become super, super apparent. So I've got just four things today that I believe are the mandate for the church in order to see a generation of young people reached. And for me, this is as relevant to young people as it is to children, and it's relevant to you as a church as a whole. So the first thing I think we've got going to come up on the screen is one thing I think we have to do from this story is to listen and understand. Now, if you're in the very first book of Esther... Esther 1 verse 1, it says, this is what happened during the time of Xerxes. Now, you'll know that Xerxes was this like crazy king who I've spoken about. And um, when I looked into Esther 1, I began to look at the, the descriptions of the kind of things that was going on. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is such a picture of our time. You know, a few a little while ago, I sat with, um, I was working with a youth group. They didn't have a youth pastor at the time, so we were trying to find them a youth pastor. And so I'd gone to run their youth ministry on a Friday. So I didn't really know this group of young people at all. 
But I sat with this group of girls as they began expressing to me what it's like in school. Now, I wasn't really a fan of school. I mean, I did okay, but I wasn't, you know, I wouldn't want to go back to school. I'm not one of those. Um, and I remember sitting with these girls thinking, oh my goodness, this is really difficult. Like when they began to explain to me some of the questions they're being asked or what it means if they actually stand up for what they believe in school, I thought to myself, I would certainly not want to go back to school. And you know, it can be really easy for us that are a little bit older than a teenager um, to actually look at this and think, oh, they don't know what it was like in my day. Well, can I tell you, we don't have any idea what it's like for our young people. And young people, particularly here over here on the front, I want to honour you for living out your faith in school because it is not an easy place today to live out your faith. And I think when we look at this story of Mordecai and Esther, the reality was it was a really challenging time that people found themselves in. I'll give you a few examples of the different issues of the time. Firstly, there was power, Esther 1 verse 1. Xerxes was a very powerful man. There was arrogance, Esther 1 verse 4. He was extremely arrogant. There was a lot of wealth, Esther 1, 4 and 6. There was a lot of showing off, which kind of reminds me of social media. Uh, Esther 1 verse, uh, 1 verse 4. Obviously, it doesn't mention social media in the Bible, for the record. There was a lot of celebrity culture. Again, Esther 1 verse 4. It's all about this guy, Xerxes. There was a lot of party life. If you've ever read Esther 1, I mean, the parties they were having were like off the record. They were like crazy, crazy parties. Um, There was relational mess. That's common to our world today, isn't it? Huge relational mess, the using and abusing of women. There was raging emotion, Esther 1, verse 12. And when I look at that, I think, oh my goodness, that is such a picture of our times today. I know it was a different time, a long, long time ago, but so similar to what we face today. Matthew 16, verse 3, Jesus is talking to the religious leaders and he says, you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the time. It can be easy to look at our young people and think, well, we kind of know what it's like, but actually we've got to take time to listen and understand what life is like for them. I remember just an example, a little while ago, I was at an event um, full of adults, there were no, no young people there, boring, anyway, there was loads of adults there, and um, I was sat behind this, this um, older man in front of me, and during the preach, he was on his phone, on his social media, I thought, I can't believe this, now I nearly went into like youth pastor mode, and like leant forward and said, could you put your phone away, but I thought I might get in trouble if I do that, but I remember thinking in my head, goodness me, sometimes we can actually be judgmental and look at young people and think, oh, why are they doing that? When, when we've all had our own struggles, haven't we? And I think we have to make a decision that we are going to learn, listen and understand. So how can you do this? Just a few ideas for you. Ask questions and don't try to solve all the problems. I'm a problem solver at core. I love this. This is why I do what I do. Um, However, sometimes what I have to do, particularly when I'm with a young person, is I have to sit and just listen and ask questions because I don't understand what it's like. Sometimes I talk about this concept of reverse mentoring. Because often when we talk about mentoring, we think we as the older person are going to pour into the younger person. Well, I believe you young people can teach us a lot of stuff. 
That's partly why Amy has interned with me. She thinks she's getting a lot out of me. Well, I'm getting a lot out of her. I'm learning a lot from her as much as she may be learning from me. And so this is a challenge for us as a church. And it might just be a simple question to a young person. Tell me what it's like for you at school. And then what you do is you go, go away and pray for them in that. So listen and understand the second thing from this story in the book of Esther is we have to find and mold Esther 2 7 says Mordecai had a cousin named Hadassah whom he had brought up because she had neither father nor mother this young woman who was also known as Esther had a lovely figure and was beautiful Mordecai had taken her as his own daughter when her father and mother died we see this incredible picture here of this man taking on this huge responsibility to pour into a younger person. This wasn't just a weekly catch-up. This was actually, no, I'm going to take this role really seriously. And because this young woman doesn't have anyone, I'm going to pour into her. And I find it really interesting with the story of Esther, which I'm sure you all know, when she's taken away from her home and put into the king's palace, there's a number of times, particularly in chapter 2, where it talks about how she won favour with people. And when I think about this, I, sometimes I think we glamorise these stories in the Bible, don't we? She was brutally taken from her home. I mean, pretty much kidnapped, taken into an environment where she was pretty much abused um, and it was just a horrific situation yet she somehow managed to win the favor of the people around her and I thought why was that how could she do that if that happened to me I'm not sure I'd be thinking how can I be honorable to people I'd be all over the place yet for me it seems to me that there was something implanted in the character of Esther that allowed her to win favor with people and I don't think that's something that was just happened to be there I think that's because of Mordecai and I want to encourage you here today particularly your parents or grandparents or even if you're not and you're someone in the church who actually every week sees these young people you have a responsibility to pour into the next generation to mold them to be an influence in their lives so that when they go into their schools and when they go into different settings they walk around with the character of Jesus you can be a Mordecai today all Esther's probable hopes for the future would have been dashed in this moment yet there was something deep inside of her that had been planted and I want to encourage your church today that you are quite clearly doing that installing character into people into young people that are here today you know I've always believed there's a joint role between the youth or the kids pastor and the parent um, that, that wasn't so easy when I was 21 and I was really young. I was a bit scared of the parents. Uh, I'm not so scared anymore. Um, but there's a joint role where we say together as a church, we are going to pour into the next generation. Now, I'm, I'm not married and I don't have children. And so for me, it's as relevant to me not being a parent as it is to you who may be a parent. We can be spiritual parents pouring into the next generation of young people. How can you be part of finding and moulding young people? Well, I want to encourage you today, church, to be an advocate for young people. Support all that is done, which you clearly are doing. Look out for younger people on a Sunday and encourage them. At the end of this service, 
don't come up to me and encourage it. I'll be all right. Encourage me. I'll be okay. Go up to these young people and put your arm around them and tell them how absolutely fantastic they have been. Thirdly, from this story, I think we have to model and inspire. Esther 4, 12 to 14. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. I'm hoping you're kind of with me with the story here. He said, do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. This is quite a famous verse um, in the book of Esther, probably the most famous. And we know that there's a really awful situation where this evil man, Haman, is trying to kill the Jews. And Mordecai comes and he challenges Esther to step up. But not only he does that, but he models something. Because if you look back a few chapters, Mordecai had to stand up for what he believed in. He realized there was something going on in the kingdom and he went to the king and he stood up for what was right. And Esther would have seen him do that. And so by the time it comes to this point and he says to Esther, this is your time to do something different. This is your time to stand up for what you believe in. He's not saying it like empty words. He's saying it because he's modeled it to her and he at this point has the right to inspire her. You know, I um, obviously I'm here partly because of my role in Young Lions. And um, uh, back before our first Young Lions in February, I was really seeking God about what to share because I was um, preaching on the first night. And um, God really led me to this passage in 1 Samuel 14. And Saul is king, but he's kind of not really doing what he should be doing. And Jonathan, his son, decides one day that if his dad isn't doing what he should be doing, he'll go and do it anyway. He's kind of got this tenacious spirit about him. There was enemies of the people of God that need defeating. And Jonathan says to his armor brother, armor bearer, sorry, come, let's go over to the outpost of these uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. And I love this about Jonathan, that he says, perhaps God will, will just do something amazing for us. There's this kind of thing in him that says, even for his young armor bearer, he's going to inspire this young man to do something incredibly crazy for God. And I just love that attitude. When Amy started interning with me, in fact, I asked her if she'd like to at Young Lions a couple of years ago. And I remember saying to her, I don't really, at the moment, I'm not like working for one church. I don't do the same thing each week. I'm traveling around the place. I don't really know what it will look like. But I was like, I mean, maybe it will be fun (laughs) or maybe you'll learn something. And there was this kind of attitude in me that said, just maybe God can do something if we make an intentional decision to pour into the next generation. And so how can you as a church model and inspire the next generation? Well, I want to encourage you today, church, to be brave in your faith and let these young people see it. That's so important. You know, I've had so many people in my life, particularly my parents, who modelled this to me and inspired me in this so that when I looked at them, I saw their crazy faith. I saw when things were hard and they kept pushing through. I saw when church was challenging, but they kept leading and kept pouring into people. And so for me, that was hugely inspiring. So I encourage you today, share stories with them of the incredible things God is doing in your life. Let them see it so that they they can be 
inspired. And fourthly and finally, I want to encourage you today to raise and release. Esther 5 verse 1 says, On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. This is a powerful verse because if you know the story, she's about to approach the king. And, and we know in that culture, if anyone approached the king without being invited, they could have been killed, to be blunt. And so as she steps forward in order to save an entire nation of people, she's fully aware of the difficulty she's about to walk into. This could be her last day, her last breath. But there's something that allows her to be able to step forward. And Mordecai had built her for this moment in time. You know, I believe there's a mandate upon the church to raise and release young people so that they can be all they were called to be in our world today. For me, I see that sadly some churches have not placed this as a priority, but this is so vital that we prepare them to be able to face what the world is today. You know, when I, um, when I, was, I was first in, what well, when I was in church as a child, I remember at 12, um, my kids leader asking me to uh, help with the kids club. Um, and it's quite apparent today that there's lots of people that were involved like I was. And so at 12, I was given this responsibility. And I thought it was such an honour. And then when I was 15, my youth pastor came to me and he said, right, you're going to be on our young leaders course. Um, he didn't really give me much choice. I'd just like to say that. I was sort of pushed into it. But I found myself in this position where I was like, gosh, I've, I've got a little bit of responsibility and I've got to take this really seriously. I was given this incredible opportunity and the reason is because somebody saw something in me that I didn't see in myself I was a super shy and insecure young woman and to be honest I just wanted to hide behind everyone else but someone saw something in me and decided to pour or to push into me so that I could be all God had called me to be and so today as a church how can you raise and release young people what I want to encourage you today, don't just see the young people in this church as young people. Don't patronise them. Don't just see them as young. See them as the future leaders of this church. I was so encouraged this morning sitting in your prayer meeting with some of your team and hearing them as older people. I don't want, I don't want to offend anyone. Older than 20. Older people. Um, praying over the young people. And someone said, these are not the, the future of the church. These young people are the church. And I was so encouraged as I heard that. And I think we have to make a decision to see who they are. 1 Samuel 17 tells the story of David and Goliath. We know the, the famous Bible story. This 17-year-old boy comes along knowing there's a problem and he says, I'll give it a go. I'll try and fight the giant. And Saul's response in verse 33 is, you are only a young man. I remember reading that a little while ago and thinking, how tragic is that comment? <laughs> You are only a young man. And I want to encourage us today as we look at our young people, not to say or even think you are only a young person, but actually to believe in their lives that they can make an incredible difference. As I dug into the book of Esther, what stood out to me as I got to the end was how Mordecai is kind of seen as this unsung hero. The book is named after Esther, it's not named after Mordecai, but it was Mordecai that poured into Esther. Without Mordecai, I'm not sure Esther would have done what she'd done. 
And I just think this is just an incredible picture of the humility of this leader who said, actually, I'm going to take it upon myself to pour into the next generation. And in fact, as I was contemplating this today and just watching Sue as she led today, I was thinking, Sue, that's what you are. Maybe this unsung hero who is pouring into the next generation and um, there'll be people who like this, make an incredible difference because of what you've poured into their lives. So just to encourage you today. When you look around the church and see young people, we see them up here today, we have no idea what they'll end up doing, what kind of difference they'll make in the world. But the possibilities are endless. One of the greatest honours for me now, sort of 20 years on from when I started in youth ministry, is seeing some of my young people do the most incredible things And in fact, I met a girl a few nights ago who um, didn't even really find God in youth, but later on remembered what she'd been taught and came back to Jesus. And now she's running this care home for, for young people that are struggling. And I remember sitting there thinking, gosh... I had a tiny part of her story, (laughs) Um, but this is what she's gone on to do. We just have no idea the kind of impact that these young people will make. Psalm 78 verse 4 says, we will tell the next generation. This is talking about how we we as a church have a responsibility to pour into and encourage the next generation of people. Just as I conclude today, I mentioned that I wrote this um, story about this woman who was a missionary. And um, it was honestly one of the greatest honours of my life. And so she was quite sort of intertwined in my family. Um, She was a bridesmaid for my grandma, you know, all of that kind of thing. But at the age of 15, she heard the call of God. And God told her to be available to serve him on the mission field. Um, So just a show of hands, anybody who's 15 today, just give me like... Is there anyone in the room? 15? Yes. My friend over here. So Kathleen was your age when God said to her, you're going to go and serve God in another part of the world. And so she took it really seriously. Um, In fact, (laughs) kind of funny, she went to her pastor and said, God's told me to do this. And he said, but you're a woman. I mean... Glad we're in a slightly different time today. Um, But she went to train as a teacher. She went to Belgium to learn French. And then at the age of about 24, she flew out to the Congo. And uh, as she got to the Congo, it was when uh, they they got independence from Belgian rule. And it went absolutely crazy. In fact, a year after she got there, she had to escape for her life. Uh, Then she went back. And then she had to escape again. And then she went back. She was there for 12 years. And then... After 12 years, she had to get out because it was so dangerous. And so she moved to Rwanda. And if you know the history of Rwanda, she was there in the lead up to the genocide. So she was there in a really turbulent time. And her role, she started schools, trained teachers, poured into young people, shared the gospel, trained evangelists, went up into the mountains finding these tribes that had never heard the name of Jesus, introducing them to Jesus. And her whole life was committed to the next generation. And in fact, when she came back from the mission field, she was in her late 50s. She actually um, had a breakdown because of the trauma of what she'd been through. But after she'd got through that... She continued pouring into the next generation. In fact, I remember as a youth pastor, um, I worked with a lot of gang members, and she would say to me, Hannah, just give me the names of the gang members you're working with, just their first names, and every day I'm going to pray for them. And then I remember this one incident where this group of boys had a massive fight outside where she was living. She was in sheltered accommodation. And she was telling me about it. So I said, oh, Kathleen, that's really bad. Like, did you phone the police? I said, oh, no. 
She said, I went out there, I got in the middle, and she was about 80 at this point, I got in the middle of them and I said, you stop this right now, and they all ran off. I thought, oh my goodness me. I was like, Kathleen, I mean, maybe phone the police, you know. Um, but she was fearless. She would pay for people to go to youth camp, um, and she just continually, for me, poured into my life. And so when I sat down with her two years ago and I said, can I write your story? I sat with her every week for three hours, and she downloaded something really of the presence of Jesus into my life, which will never, I will never lose. It was so impactful. But I was forever amazed that she would be willing to her dying day, which was a few months ago, to pour into the next generation. And I think that is the attitude that we have to have, just like Mordecai. And so I want to believe for you as a church that all you are pouring into these young people here today, you are going to see the most incredible fruit as a result. And what you're doing is not in vain. Um, and I know I could have directly preached to you young people today, and I hope you understand. I want to speak to the church to encourage you. But actually, we have a responsibility as the church to make intentional decisions to pour into the next generation so that we can have lots of books named after our young people, <laughs> not named after us, because it's really about the incredible stories they're going to write as a result. So I hope I can just pray for you as I conclude today, and I want to pray for your incredible young people as well. Lord Jesus, today I just thank you for this church, and um, I just thank you for the honour of being here today and speaking in an environment that is so empowering of the next generation. And God, I want to pray over every person in this room, particularly who's over the age of 20. And Jesus, I just want to thank you for their commitment to pour into these young lives, Lord God. And as every young person has got up and has led us in such an incredible way today, Father, I pray that you would honour people today who have made a commitment to pour into the next generation. And God, I pray as they do that, you would pour your incredible blessing over them, Father, that they would know that you are smiling upon them because, um, because they have caught something of your heart. And Father, for every young person, today. Jesus, I just pray, God, they would be just like Esther. And God, that's a scary thing to pray because what she did was so incredibly courageous as she stood for an entire nation making a difference. But God, for every young person, God, the, the plans and dreams that are upon their lives, Lord God. Father, I pray that they would go into this world making such an impact for you, Father. As we look at the news we see every day and uh, so in many ways traumatic these things are that are happening, Father, may the, these young people be the change makers. May they be the ones that make a difference, Lord God. And Father, I pray you would call call them, they, they would know that they're called of you, Father, and that they would be able to walk in, uh, in the light, just as we've been talking today, to bring a difference into our world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.